Welcome to our next adventure with Chemology 411, a podcast of anything and what is Tyson doing now? Kim, quick, get in. Hey, Tyson, you better back up. What exactly are our plans? Plans? Where we're going, we don't need any plans. It's an excursion on Comology 411! <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to another excursion on Chemology 411. Tonight we have a great special a special um, guest with us. And I'm not just including Tyson. Tyson is sitting right next to me. Um, how's your day, Tyson? Uh, hey, I'm always a special guest, and you can take that Very however you special. want. Very special. He but, is always uh, special, yes. And after whatever we're on, 60 episodes or longer, I'm always the given special guest. You right. know, like, like the guests that never left the house. <laughs> you know, one, one of, of those. <laughs> but yes, uh, above and beyond, I'm very excited. Yes. I've got to say, I mean, we haven't, uh, I know you've done a lot of your uh, other uh, things during your podcast where you bring in superstar segment. Michael is certainly worthy of a superstar segment in one regard. It's just right. that it was my idea and it within a particular subject matter. So what, who we have today is someone that I have just been excited to kind of, I got to kind of have a crush on his intellect. Yes. Is that okay? Is that okay? Not only that, but just kind of the willpower to go ahead and, 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 and dig and do the right thing. You're and, welcome. I introduced you to him through Facebook. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I regardless, like I got to say that I, I'm just very uh, impressed with, with what this person has done with the, the subject matter of, of the year. And uh, I want to uh, introduce to you, we first became aware of, uh, first, let's say, hello, <laughs> Michael Austin. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, guys. Nice to finally meet you. We, we will talk forever. <laughs> so we, when we first became aware of you, I, it was probably a few months ago when we, I started uh, following some work on uh, Kansas. It was, um, Kansas. No, Open Up Kansas. But it open was actually Kansas. my friend Kim um, was starting her stuff. And that's how I, that's how I found Michael because she was the first one that started talking with him. So we saw a lot of his work online in those types of groups regarding reaction and kind of policy and trying to interpret the COVID uh, situation. So we became first aware of you probably March, April, something like that, maybe maybe May, Michael. And we've here and there, I've chatted with you there. And I just thought you guys have had some outstanding breaking stories and analysis. I want to tell you, the audience, that here and there, I haven't done a lot of my stuff over on the scales of truth, but on a smaller scale on uh, Chemology 411 when I mentioned the 42 cycles that Kansas Laboratories allows and the PCR testing and the versus the 40 cycles that, that the FDA uh, says can be a, a, a true positive versus the 36 cycle situation where we talked about French studies and that being the last of viable culture, right. if you will. Uh, that is That information uh, coincided with what Michael has found. And, and, and much, the graph, the graph. Yes, yeah, yes, that, the graph. That, that graph uh, we're we're going to go into that for you. All so, that stuff. So, Michael, first a question for you. Now, I know that I just, I look at, I don't really care about people's background in some way. When they say some really good stuff, they get my attention. You know, just period. That's what gets my attention. But that said, I, I, I am, um, you know, 
curious about, uh, was that your per first personal delving in, in this COVID 2020 into this kind of what I'll call supplementing the news media, you know, to make the public more aware of these important issues? And if it wasn't, when did you start uh, doing that uh, type of thing where you're, you're helping inform people on these important topics? You know, my background is in economics. Um, I am a teacher over at uh, Washburn University. Um, before I even worked at Kansas Policy Institute, which is my current employer. Before that, I was chief economist um, over at the uh, Kansas Department of Revenue. Um, and my work focused on taxes and budgets and, and uh, uh, you know, the economic implications of most government policy. I would have never dreamed that I would be looking into COVID um, and not necessarily the biological components of COVID because um, that's obviously not my skill set, but the effects government policy about public health policy can have on people. I, I never thought that that would fall um, into my lap or, or if that had that type of role for me. Um, I'm, just, I'm just following the plan, so to speak. So to get to your question, um, it, it wasn't necessarily my first time, you know, breaking into that uh, type of role, that type of journalistic role. You know, that's something that I've been doing, you know, for most of my professional career, which is making news of, 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 of certain data or, or, or statistics or trends, because I know for certain that if it's my job to, you know, know these things, I know the average Joe or Jane out there, you know, wouldn't even have a clue. Um, so, so at first, meaning that what you, if, if you're going to analyze something, you want to make sure other people understand it and can digest it, digest it and it can be used. Exactly that. And, you know, I kind of, that actually flows into, you know, me teaching at Washburn. You know, my job is to take a textbook of, of information and make it uh, relatable so that anyone um, can, can understand it. And when that does not happen, when there is either disinformation, misinformation, no information out there, then bad things can usually happen and, and power can be exerted over other people. So when it came to the COVID stuff, you know, one of the first things, um, I think one of the first notable things I did, or at least what I consider notable, would be letting the public know that a lockdown um, for the state of Kansas wasn't a good thing. Um, I know in the throes of COVID-19, everyone was unsure. No one had a lot of information. Uh, there was a lot of fear out there. And with the lack of information that we had, maybe it was justified. Um, but I, I know- it was I was a lack of information, <laughs> which uh, but that, I, that's what first jumped to me. It's like, how are we making such big decisions before we have had enough time to know information? But anyway, go That's ahead. true. Oh, no, that's true. But I can also understand the other side of the coin, which people say- you know, I need some sort of security. Uh, I need to at least feel secure in this, so I at least do something. And I understand that uh, at, at a certain at a certain um, uh, point of view. But you know, I, I was the first one that noted that look, lockdowns are not the tool that we should be exercising here. If it really is successful, then it's the equivalent of taking a sledgehammer to crack a nut. You know, it would get the job done, but it would create so many other disastrous consequences. And now, six months later. Um, you know, how many more Kansans, how many more Americans have come to the point that lockdowns sh should actually not have been done? And they were actually, uh, not only did they have those unintended consequences, but they didn't even crack the nut, so to speak, according to that analogy. Yeah. So, so I would say that was my first 
foray in, in coming out publicly about, you know, what we should be doing in terms of this COVID stuff. And then, yeah, we can talk about the chart right now if you want to. Well, so, I, was gonna, I wanna yeah, say something. So you're talking about closing down the economy and a person like me, cause I'm an accountant and I am in, that's what I deal with. And I said the exact same thing back in March when I was yes. like, and it's, it's on chemology where I said, you're gonna destroy more people's lives and people that are gonna die. So which life is more valuable? And I was attacked on Facebook about being this horrible human being that I was putting money over these lives. And it, it pulled me back. Like I just got off social media, but you're saying the exact same. I was like, why are we shutting everything down? We don't even know what's going on. And the suicide rate's going to go up and, and the small businesses aren't going to survive. And we're pushing everybody to online and we're, we're, we're doing all this stuff. And people were just out of their mind of like, no, we have to save grandma. I mean, that's all we right. heard for so long was if you said anything like you just said, you know, the mass shutdown, how dare you? So how did you handle, like you're talking about that. Did you get that kind of pushback? Like what was the majority of pushback you got? That was the same pushback I got. Um, and my response to that was, look, if lockdowns, um, if, if lockdowns, you know, were really a good tool to mitigate COVID-19, then at best, what you're going to be doing is trading one life for another. Yep. Right. right? You may be saving people from COVID-19, but then you're going to be dooming someone, you know, due to mental health, you know, uh, effects of being locked in one's home, suicide rates, yeah. or uh, hospitals weren't accepting any non-COVID procedures. Right. Um, and so what if there was a complication, you know, dealt to delaying uh, you getting certain types of work done? Yep. Um, you know, you're trading in for that life. So at best, what you could hope for with the lockdown is trading one loss of life for another. Um, and you would never get the utopian or ideal solution, which is saving both lives. But you would if you if you didn't do a lockdown and you focused on other targeted measures. Right. 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 So so you're you're saying and a couple things. Yes, seven months ago we're saying the same thing, and I think a lot of people were. That's what was so baffling. Uh, people like you were. It's the full. I, I referred to it sometimes as the full equation, not not one factor. The full equation, all all of the aspects of it, and then also to your point, Michael, there was there were some studies out there that did try to and, and did end up coming to as you know some rough numbers, but basing all those various lives and uh, years you know saved and, and costed you know with all these various aspects like healthcare uh, being shut down. So. Yes, it, you know, that was, it, it made, made a lot of sense to a lot of us and other people. It, it was just like, it wasn't supposed to matter. So That's let's right. talk about the, the first story that I was aware of with you, or maybe it may have been Kansas Mill Sentinel, and that's not the name. So you're, you at some point became working with or with parallel to the Sentinel, and that's sentinelksmo.org. Uh, and I don't know how long ago that was, but that's when I first became aware that you were kind of saying the same things they were, or kind of, they were tracking along with you or vice versa. So I do want to, I want to give them props. Whenever I've done videos on my Facebook page, I've tried to give you both you guys good props on that. So yeah, excellent. Let, let me, uh, let me, let me say this quickly and then you can get back to talking about the graph. So the, I work for the Kansas Policy Institute, 
-hmm. right? Uh, which is the parent company of the Sentinel. And uh, like you noted, the Sentinel works to hold media accountable. So it works on publishing, you know, uh, 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 story, you know, the same stories, but with the context that you're not getting right. uh, or the data that you're not getting from, you know, most Kansas media outlets. Um, it understands, of course, uh, that, you know, no one media, no one journalist is going to have objective truth. But at the very least, we can at least, you know, the Sentinel understands that it can have, you know, an opinion uh, or not opinion, but present context and sometimes present an opinion that's on the other side of the aisle. And then it's up to, you know, you as the reader to read both sides of the issue and make a decision for yourself. And I think that blends in well with the first one and something that uh, Kim and I were, sometimes we go ranty and it almost sounds like we're arguing to each other just on the phone. <laughs> and it's really just because we're both, we're both ranting. We're very passionate. <laughs> we're, it's really just because we're both, uh, we're both ranting. And it was about how do they not provide context? How do they not provide this full picture? How does Fauci in July, we'll get to that, say one thing and never inform the public of, of what he's saying uh, uh, you know, not how it should really be um, informing a bunch of other stuff in the country. And he knows a fact, but he doesn't let it inform. So just around the idea of the full context, one of the first stories I was aware of was when Lee Norman used two different scales in the same graph. What he did is to make it seem as though at the time, this was during like a weekly press conference or something, that urban area COVID incidents slipped below rural area COVID incidents to allegedly make the point that mask wearing is winning. He had a really quotable, meaty quote in there he threw in there. And it was, um, well, I, we kind of asked that, uh, whether that was the first big story you broke was that the first big COVID story that you felt that was uh, that you broke regarding that? I think I, I think it was the biggest. Yeah, <laughs> it, it ended up going in a lot of places, didn't it? Oh yeah, we got. Um, and you know, let me let's 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 backtrack. You know, um, for your listeners, um, let's kind of tell that that whole story there. So yeah, uh, a press conference Dr. Norman had. Uh, it was about a month after uh, Governor Kelly signed the mask mandate. Um, and of course, counties were allowed to opt out of it. And so Dr. Norman said, you know, we have a natural experiment, which mm -hmm. before I even get anything, <laughs> if you're if you're if you live in Kansas, if you're a Kansan who's been here for the last 10 years, you should never call any public policy experiment. We just have bad luck with that. Sam Brownback, and now <laughs> you're making and now you're making this claim, Dr. Norman. But then again, he does live in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, right. Uh, uh, so he made a chart that, you know, showed COVID cases over time uh, since the mandate. And it was two lines. One was a mandate count was mandate counties and the other one were no mandate counties. And like you said, Tyson, uh, his graph showed or just any average Joe looking at it, it had mandate counties having fewer cases than no mandate counties. Um, but of course, the reality was that wasn't true. And the reason he was able to create that graphical representation was because he used two different scales on his chart, where on one side, I can't remember what it was anymore, but let's say it was like um, zero to 30. No, 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 it, was, it didn't start at zero. They were like um, from 12 to 30, and then the other one was like four to 14. So right. they weren't an apples to apples comparison. They never even matched. Uh, they, they, they never even, even overlapped. He, he had, he had the, uh, making it look like the rural incidents, uh, excuse me, the urban incidents, if you will, the mask mandate, which is overwhelmingly the more rural county, uh, urban counties, um, dipped well below 
the urban ones. In reality, they never even crossed at any point in the, in the time period. You're exactly right. Now, what I will say is this, uh, that type of chart, you know, isn't, um, isn't, well, having two axes isn't unusual. What is unusual is, of course, having the different scales so that, right. that 15 to 30 on the other side, the four to 14, that is unusual. Uh, but, oh, but what's, what I thought was somewhat egregious was that it's given to the public. And remember, at the start of our conversation here, we had an understanding that our role should be to take complicated information and make it relatable for people to understand. And I'm sure you can all agree that no average Joe or Jane out there is going to yeah. understand how to read a two-axis chart, even if it was scaled properly. Um, and, and so I saw there was a unique opportunity there. Um, Dr. Norman created a really confusing chart and just wanted you to trust what he was saying on the matter. As, as being the absolute fact. And so, you know, I, all I wanted to do was take that same data and put it in a chart that everyone can easily read and understand and see if Dr. Norman's words still rang true. Um, and unfortunately for him, it didn't. And so we got picked up by the Wall Street Journal. Britt Hume from Fox News retweeted our story. Um, Washington Examiner picked it up. Um, the Foundation for Economic Education picked it up. Oh, one of my favorites. One yeah, I love, I love Fee, yes. Um, I said Wall Street Journal already. And then over the weekend, a lot of the local uh, TV news broadcasts uh, took it up as well. So WIBW in Topeka, KSNT, Cake down in Wichita, I think mm -hmm. KMBC um, as well. Um, and then after, after all of that play, um, at the national stage and even at the local TV news uh, level. Then finally, Kansas print media um, decided to take it up. And it was only after uh, House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins, um, you know, said he wasn't going to vote for Governor Kelly's initiatives because she had not addressed this issue. So only because he had brought it up did the Kansas print media, so that's CJ Online, that's uh, Wichita Eagle, that's Kansas City Star, only then did they, did they decide it was worth writing the story, even though it was already nationally and locally picked up. Isn't that crazy? Now, a real quick economic nerd. I just want to see if we, uh, uh, Foundation for Economic Education, uh, a quick story they had that I loved it so much. Pre-easy internet days, I had a little file of things I kept. It's, it was a, a write-up called iPencil. Do you know about iPencil? Oh, any free market supporter knows, uh, uh, knows reads iPencil. That's right. All right, good. So we had that one. And then I remember at the time, I don't remember how much I said it on the uh, podcast, but I, I certainly pointed out at least verbally and maybe to some other folks, it also seemed like the beginning point was odd because the beginning point of this chart showed this quick drop. And then it leveled off immediately, or, or pretty close. It came a lot close to leveling off. The major drop in the urban incidence of COVID happened just within like the first point, a data point or data segment that he showed. So immediately I thought that was odd. And I thought, well, I'd be interested in the last two or three weeks because it seems like a pretty cherry-picked start date. Well, now tell us about the next big story you broke through, like a Kansas Open Records Act that was related yes. to that. So, you know, we had a huge story with just putting the two different charts side by side. We wanted to say, well, you know what, why did he pick that date? 
uh, because he was making, because Dr. Norman was making the argument that Mandate County saw a larger decrease in COVID cases um, than no Mandate counties. Uh, so we asked for the data, we finally got the data and we tried to recreate it and we found that uh, within 10 days after the mandate, after Governor Kelly signed the mandate, cases in mandate counties rose. And I think on the 10th or 11th day, it started dropping. And so that's when Dr. Norman decided to make his chart to, to prove his mandates were effective. He literally picked the one, the one date where it had a dramatic fall afterwards. And then right before it had been going up and he explained at the time, it's just, oh, well, we just pick a certain number just of days out. Day. Just wanted some Whatever. time for it to settle. And he didn't so, show, go ahead. That's right. So he said, uh, I, I, we asked him, why did he pick that date? Now that you see that you, you hid the fact that these cases were actually rising. And he said, well, we picked it because even though the mandate was signed on the third, you have to, you have to give it um, an incubation period in order for the effects to come through. At face value, he is correct. But current research says the incubation period is 14 days, not 10, not 11. So he decided to pick a date, you know, that wasn't even consistent uh, with the research that's out there. Uh, which only creates more suspect that it's more likely than not he picked that date because he needed the data to look good, um, not because he was actually following the science. Um, and then thirdly, I don't know if you want to get into this point, but have we looked at the same data uh, 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 two, three months from that point? Well, guess what? Mandate counties still have more cases um, than no mandate counties. In fact, I think part of the reason you haven't seen an update uh, to this chart is one, because I think we, we showed them up um, on it, but two, the data still doesn't work in their favor. Right, right. So now the third one uh, that I wanted to talk about was this uh, one that you broke. Now the information in some fashion has been out there. There was a New York Times article some time ago, actually, that, that pointed towards this. Not, not Tyson's conspiracy corner. <laughs> No. It's a big corner. <laughs> the New York Times had a similar deal. So this always blows my mind when people act like we're just, you know, cherry picking out of just somebody fine. I mean, when I source data, it's like you. I don't source just any old stuff. I mean, to me, and this is another thing that I like the, the way you guys are doing things, you go find them, you know, coming from the horse's mouth, you know, because anybody can kind of fiddle around with things and kind of look. But when you find Fauci himself saying something, or you find KDHE saying something, you know, that, that's the important part. But so now we have something probably happened about three weeks ago. I, I'm not sure, but uh, explain this. Okay, we've got 42 cycles. This is PCR testing. I know that I've explained it on this story, but right. um, Michael might explain it differently. We've got 36 cycles. We've got 42 cycles. We've got 40 cycles. Explain that situation. Sure thing. So the gold standard of COVID testing is what's known as a PCR, a Peter Charlie Roger test. Um, how it works is very much like a uh, smoke detector. Uh, a smoke detector, of course, uh, detects smoke particles and can start an alarm telling you that there's a fire, right? If it detects enough smoke particles. A PCR test works 
fundamentally the same way, except of course it's looking for COVID particles. So it'll look through uh, look through your uh, genetic material, trying to find uh, COVID uh, uh, COVID particles, and if it finds enough, it will sound an alarm that your body has COVID nineteen particles um, within it. Now, how it finds uh, COVID-19 particles and how it triggers its quote-unquote alarm uses what's known as cycles. So think of it as, um, think of it as a, a, a magnifying glass, right? Yep. If, you're, um, uh, if you need to find evidence of something really small um, you know, uh, in a particular area, you could use a regular magnifying glass. Maybe you'll find it, maybe you don't. If you change out and get a more, um, uh, what do you call it? Higher power. There we go. Higher power. Thank you. A higher power, power magnifying glass. You might find it. You might not. If you go down to a microscope, maybe you'll find what you're looking for. So that type of magnification is known as cycles. And the higher cycles uh, it takes for a COVID-19 test to find particles, COVID-19 particles, um, the more sensitive it is, kind of like the higher power on a magnifying And, uh, and, and by, by definition, that it means that if you know how many it took to actually, if you will see it using your analogy, um, how much magnification you needed, you know, you have a sense of how, how few there were to begin with. That's right. So it goes back to the smoke detector. How many times has a smoke detector gone off because of someone's bad cooking, right? right. Or uh, how many times has a smoke detector gone off because maybe you had too many candles going off at one time? Right. Um, you know, just because it detects smoke particles doesn't necessarily mean it's a fire. It well, and yeah. kitchen is that's on. right. And just like a PCR test, just because it detects COVID-19 particles doesn't mean that the person has a contagious, live, transmissible virus within them. And so what the research has uncovered was there seems to be a range of magnification of cycles mm -hmm. um, a COVID test can go through that even though it may find COVID-19 materials, that virus isn't alive. Um, and so like, that person isn't contagious. It's like your, I'm trying to even think of what your analogy would be like, if you needed to use an electron microscope uh, to, well, if you're using electron microscope, when really you should have been able to see this amount with a magnifying glass, then you're being overly sensitive and you're finding something that really was an amount that wouldn't matter. Would that be the kind of the analogy there? Yeah, that could work. Or you could say, you know, Tyson, if you wanted to find evidence that Kim was in the room there with you, you know, uh, any, any, any gym off the street would say, well, just look around. Is she there? And then you would say, no, but I found a strand of her hair, right? Right? I found a strand of her hair. Does that mean, but does that mean she was, in, she's in the room with you right now? No, but I found evidence she was there. Well, what question are we kind of trying to answer right. here? And that kind of brings us to the whole purpose of COVID, of these COVID-19 tests. They were designed to measure, you know, uh, to measure the, uh, uh, the prevalence of COVID-19 in the system. It wasn't designed to tell you, right, whether uh, you are a contagious or infectious case. And so we have to look at these magnifications, these amplifications, these cycles, to get an idea of whether the virus inside you is really alive or not. And so the uh, research has said, maybe I think uh, uh, if you go, if it takes more than 34 cycles, 34 types of this magnification to find COVID-19, the odds are this virus isn't alive. The odds are 
um, you know, you're finding a strand of hair, you should not call it a person in the room. Um, right. It's not an infectious case. Uh, FDA has said 40 is, is the recommendation, which is... That's adding a humongous margin of error. Um, it is, which is beyond what the research recommends. And then Kansas has gone even beyond what the FDA recommends and has said 42 cycles is the standard. Um, can, we found, can we find the DNA from Kim to see whether she is in the room right now? <laughs> okay, right? I mean, that's kind of where we are. I know that it seems like an exaggeration for, uh, you know, for making the point, but in a way, these generations are an, exp an exponential curve, if I, if I understand right. And so the, the difference between a certain number of cycles and up to six more cycles is a pretty big difference. It's not linear. Is, isn't that correct? That's right. I think the New York Times said, you know, um, by their estimate, roughly 90, 90%, 90% of COVID cases should actually have been classified as a negative. And that was, you know, um, and I'm trying to remember what the benchmark was. I think they were looking at 33 as the standard and maybe taking an average of, of what everybody else was doing, which would probably be around 40. But if that's the case, then, you know, that tells you for the state of Kansas, uh, you're looking at most likely around half, I'm just being on the safe side here, half of COVID cases, um, not, not, not contagious at all. And so the focus, and, and, and this brings us to the issue here. The issue is that state public health officials um, are assuming every case is an infectious, contagious yes. one. Yes. And that's really the issue is, you know, we can talk about PCR tests, but what it ultimately comes down to is do you interpret the results properly and we're not. So um, go ahead, Michael, I'm sorry. Is whether we're interpreting the results uh, of a COVID test properly or not. And, you know, governor, the governor is coming out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, effectively scolding the uh, scolding Kansans, right, for cases rising. And Kansans are left scratching their heads because by and large, you know, we don't see the disastrous effects of COVID-19. By and large, we see more of us being quarantined at home than anything else. Right. Um, and now the data has come out to show that, that for most of us, it's not even contagious. Yeah, and to your point, I think your numbers are right because I, I Kim can tell you, and, and, and when you do get totally brushed up on chemology like you know, I, I know you'll be spending your time now. You'll exactly. find about our own little personal stories in about the last month and a half. I've been really busy with, busy with uh, buying a home. So, But because we knew we were going to have you on, uh, I, I delved back into some data, and I looked at that French data, and it is astounding um, with, with more granularity. And you're right. I mean, basically, you go, to, go up to 42, and you have gotten about 100%, if you will, false positives, those that are not enough to do anything with, a full 100%. Uh, so just as many false positives as 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 uh, actual positives. And I, I think it's funny that coincidences no longer exist either. So COVID has eliminated the flu, the the just a stomach virus and coincidence because if someone gets it, they're just like, I got it from this person. I'm like, how do you 
how do you know where you're getting it from? You went to Walmart and like, oh no, I got it from this person and then this person gets tested, but I'm positive, but I don't have any symptoms, but then I have to be, it's, it's to me, it's just, it's just crazy yeah. how, how before you never could figure out where you got the you just normal knew you're flu. Sick you just got day. sick and you did whine about it on Facebook. You're like, this is as sick as I've ever been in my entire life. That was like 2019 stuff. And now when we, when we get sick, it's like this. I just thought I'd let you know, we have COVID in the family. <gasps> what? Oh my gosh. Well, we don't have any symptoms, but you guys, please pray for us. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's, when you talk about the public policy overlap, I was thinking about this today, looking at this French data. It's okay for there to be extra sensitivity. Maybe the, this is the way I'm, I'm interpreting this. If you are, if they just simply told you the threshold that they caught you as positive with, and they said, yeah, you, we caught you at 36, which means there's either hardly anything there or you don't even really have it. So, but why don't you be careful in a couple days, see how you feel and or we'll come in and we'll test you again in three days. Okay, well, you're a negative or you're now a positive, but it only took 25 cycles. Do you have any symptoms? See, see that, that difference can mean something individually, but without the cycle threshold, being a part of uh, the understanding of just adding the numbers up, then these numbers are where the big mistake is of adding the extra sensitivity. You could argue that, well, I mean, I'd rather be safe than sorry. If, if I'm positive, but I'm, I'm asymptomatic, but you're overdoing it, it's still not a great idea if they're saying it's dead after 36. Um, but, you know, worst case, you go, oh, okay. Well, as long as they say, don't be worried, you're not sick, you might as well stay home. Talk to us in a couple days or we'll retest you then. That's one thing when it's just individuals. But when we add up all these numbers and that becomes the point to, like you said, scold every week, that's an entirely different scenario. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and you're exactly right. We can't even get to that point where there's an honest conversation happening between the physician or the lab and the patient because the patient doesn't even know. Right. Yes. We have, we have the state government that is attempting to hoard, you know, that information when it could mean, you know, it, it of course affects human behavior. And, you know, we just put out, the Sentinel just put out a story just today saying we have asked uh, Lee Norman, why aren't you, you know, disclosing thresholds? Why are, you know, why, why aren't you disclosing the thresholds? What do you have to say about our findings about thresholds being out there? Um, and what's your response to it? And Dr. Norman uh, hasn't yet to respond. You did and that sometime so last week, right? Uh, um, early last week, because I sent a similar email and I carbon copied you guys and your executive director answered back and said that you guys had asked him on Monday, I think. Yeah. It's been a full week. So when the government is in business of keeping you know, people in the dark, um, it's never going to go well. And I don't understand what's the issue of putting more information out there so that can, there can be more honest conversations so that we can better live our lives and make decisions for ourselves. And to your, to your point also then, um, when you go back to the July, we're going to talk about this, but no less than back in July, Dr. Fauci himself said the labs have that. They just don't share it as a matter of course. If you wanted to ask for it, you could get it. They do have it. They know how many cycles it took to cross the threshold. So the information is out there. Yes, um, right. But what I wanted to ask you real quick, when you found, this is only like a week and a half ago or so, 
when you found Dr. Fauci in July saying, and I quote, as soon as I find it, if it takes even 36 cycles to, uh, for the test to uh, pass the threshold, when you found him saying that that is nothing more than dead nucleotides, what was your reaction when you found that? And were you the, were you the one who found the one, uh, that video from July? Um, yeah, I did find it. Um, and only because someone else had directed me to it. Um, my thought process was, it's a good example of, uh, of a scientist understanding what the data says and then turning to the public and the media and having a completely different conversation, right? A complete, it's an understanding of here are the facts of the matter, but here are the politics of the matter. And I found it very interesting that, you know, within like-minded individuals, he can have a conversation that speaks right. to the vulnerabilities of COVID, the vulnerabilities of public policy. But, um, you know, when it comes to the public face, he has to speak in terms of absolutes. And, and right. obviously, uh, when you do that, that means government policy has to be one size fits all. It can't be targeted. Um, and then ultimately, people suffer for it. And yeah, it's like, what, what shouldn't it be? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I, give you, can I give me one second? Sure. So anyway. Um, what, what I was going to say, too. Explain that to me a little bit more. What, 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 what um, so. Uh, or whatever his name is. What Fauci said in July was that anything after 36 cycles, if it took right, 36 right. cycles to cross the threshold, it's basically nothing more than dead nucleotides. Well, where did he say that? He said that like, on a video on a with video. other professional virologists. It was literally something called like Virology Today or something like okay, that okay. with two other professional virologists. And then to your point, Michael, what I thought was interesting is that why is it is if he's not the face of I think I said it in the email the resistance to this then who is how is it not his duty to connect these type of dots you know and say hey guys you know in July I said anything past thirty six is dead nucleotides right you're the FDA has it at forty I'm not sure why they're doing that at least make that public and some of you guys have it at forty two which doesn't make any sense. It seems to me he should have to connect those dots or what's the point of him, you know, having that position. It's confusing to me. Wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but, you know, in terms of the locus of control, uh, we obviously, you know, us as Kansans have a, a, a bigger influence getting state government to act than the federal government. Um, but, you know, even then it shows that trying to get state government to understand uh, look, maybe we should be doing something different. Maybe our messaging should be different. Maybe we should disclose this additional information. Um, even that can have its own obstacles to overcome. Along that line then, I am curious because you guys have certainly used this to, to varying results, but how have your freedom of information in, in, in Kansas called Kansas Open Records Acts, how, how those requests and that process gone for you? It depends on the subject matter. Honestly, um, when it has come to COVID, we have been ghosted, so to speak. Um, almost every almost every request that we send out for uh, COVID metrics, you know, gets read, but we don't get responded to. Um, and it would be one thing if you know the response came back as we don't collect this information or we don't have this information. Right. Um, I would at least consider that a step in the right direction. 
Um, but we don't even get that type of discussion. We get no response whatsoever. And so we're left uh, having to say, you know, we asked, as an example, Dr. Norman about, you know, uh, COVID test sensitivity, and he has declined to comment after a week, um, after a week and after repeated, you know, solicitations. Um, and so what does that say? It, it unfortunately suggests that there's a political motive behind it, and they're hoping that by staying quiet, it gets swept under the rug. Right. Yeah, it, it's that it's just insane. Now, what do you think? Uh, Kim and I were talking about this last night in our in, in our frustrated rant uh, back and forth on the phone <laughs> um, about those. What responsibility are they supposed to have to just a an email that that copies the allegedly right public information officer versus some uh, uh, specific uh, Kansas Open Records Act, you know, filling out a form? Uh, is it the same obligation? Is it different? Is that part of maybe the process of us trying to uh, go forward and get more information from them? Well, well, ultimately, it, in, in terms of the the end result, which is transparency and, and, and being open to the public, that's the end goal. Um, the fact that they haven't immediately disclosed this information, right, uh, was particularly troubling, which is why we sent the open records. Uh, requests so that we could get that information. And then now that they're, you know, they're essentially stonewalling us on that, um, it, it ultimately doesn't, you know, it doesn't give a good sign for how transparent you want to be and, 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 and whether you really want uh, Kansans to, to trust that you have an idea of what you're doing to help mitigate COVID. Well, so what you're saying then is, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, keep your thought uh, just for, uh, for a moment. You start with an email, just to, why not start low and see if they'll answer a, a less formal deal. And then if necessary, you'll go to open record. Uh, uh, maybe that's how it started, but we just go straight to the open records now. Okay, okay. So we just, we just send that in. Um, we don't even bother with that because that's just, that would just take longer. Um, you know, we have to, we have to of course cite the statute that, obligates them to provide this information and provide a response in a timely manner and they're not even following that. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say is you can send emails and they're getting thousands of emails from random people both sides to get a response to an email if they don't know who you are. I, I don't even expect that anymore. Like I send out emails and my news press releases and stuff and they don't know it. I have to send it to the big dogs. I used to I used to try to send it to the right people, but now I just attach their boss to it so that their boss knows that they're not getting it. And the same thing with this with this stuff. What I don't what I what I really don't like is that we have been put into and and they'll tell you, I'm not in fear, but they have used fear to make us abide by their rules. And and if they were to because Americans Kansans, Americans, we're very, we're very stuck in our ways and we're very like, we're not going to do it. But all of a sudden they started that fear stuff. So they got us into, if you don't do this, you're going to kill other people. So now we're not worried about us. We're worried about them. But then, then to keep that fear going now with the not, with not being transparent, we're only left with assumptions which only starts more with hatred and, and anger and your fear kind of um, mutates now into um, things that we've never really dealt with. Like, I would never have thought in my years of living that I would be right now being told, you know, we have a potential of going to have to be back in your house for another month and you can't leave and you can't do that. I, I never would have fathomed that this would be something, but we have the fear and it's like, 
them not talking is making us now, I don't even, I, I, we should even make up a new word for it. Cause I don't even know if there's a word out there for w what we're feeling right now. Cause we're, cause I've, I've never been fearful the entire time. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I have been, I have been stressed out and I have anxiety that, but I already have that. So that pushed my anxiety up, but there are people out there that are so in fear, but now, now so far into it, it, there's another word for it. There's something else because fear is, uh, is not the right word because they are, they're like, it's kind of like a cult in my mind. They're just like, you yes. have to do this and you have to do this. It's like, it's, it's on repeat. At this point, if you're still believing right. that we still are somehow this 2.2 million that one of the early British guys brought up is going to happen after, you know, 11 months, then you're not operating out of logic anymore. That's right. For sure. There's some, there's, there's gotta be, I mean, it's, it's going to be a syndrome like eventually the doctors will, because of the PTSD with all of this, you know, be going back to normal, there are people going to be suffering from a new syndrome. I, I need to name it. And you know, that's where I make my money right there. there. Go. I got to go to school. And so I know you wanted to go only an hour. We're down to 14 minutes. I got about seven things left. <laughs> so see, <laughs> uh, see if we can't get through at least some of them. Now I remember early on and I had a, I had, uh, um, videos out about this. I, we talked about it on our podcast. We talked about how early studies tried to do this and it was trying to figure out the uh, antibodies, the, the true to figure out what the true spread was. Now that has never happened. It seems like it politically, that's the reason we can, we can scare with current cases, but we never take the positive side of that, which is, well, how far spread is it? Cause early on it was herd immunity. Why do you think that that antibody testing never happened or is not being emphasized to figure out that herd immunity? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, not really. I know, as I said, like the, the gold standard of PCR testing is, is the PCR test. Now the, the downside to that test is that it takes, oh my goodness, days to get a result. Um, whether, you know, whether you're infected or not, which, which isn't really good at stopping COVID because you can take a test and think that you're completely fine as long as you don't have symptoms. And, you know, maybe you sneeze, uh, maybe you sneeze one day and you could accidentally spread it and you wouldn't even know that you were contagious until the results came back. Um, there are other types of tests out there um, known as antigen tests. Uh, the benefit to these tests is that they are 15 minutes. Um, right. They're less intrusive than a PCR test, but they're not as they're they're not as sensitive. In fact, they're so they're such a they have such a low sensitivity. They actually fall into the range of having more false negatives uh, than having a false positive. But the benefit, as I said, is that it's 15 minutes. Um, now these tests are uh, coming in to the state. President Trump has uh, signed a contract out uh, to deliver roughly a million of these tests to Kansas. Um, they won't be here. They all won't be here though until next year. Um, and what I think what should be done with those tests is something very similar to what the NFL is doing. Um, when, you know, someone has symptoms in the NFL, they get a PCR test, that gold standard test. And if they come up positive, what the NFL then does is they give out these, the antigen tests, the rapid 15 minute tests to everybody that's been in close contact with that one individual, Right just to get a, a sense of how far it spread from that one, from that one positive case. If someone comes up positive, then you know, uh, then you start the process all over again, give, you know, 
uh, antigen test to another, you know, uh, number of people that person has been in contact with. And for all those who are negative, you know, they are asked to self-isolate for like two to three days. That's really it, not even a whole week, for about two to three days. Uh, then they test those individuals again with the same antigen tests. And if they come up with two negative tests over that two to five day time frame, they're, they're clear to play. Um, not only that, but they, they also uh, run their PCR tests at a much lower threshold. Yes. Um, uh, as well. So twofold there. They, they, they decrease the sensitivity on the PCR uh, tests, and then they give out the antibody tests not to stand as uh, a de facto COVID test, but just to measure how far it's spread, just to see if anyone has developed antibodies uh, to the infection yet. And then only by coming up negative twice on those tests do they clear you to play. Something that's like that. that, we can institute here, you know, in the state. It doesn't have well, to be. And as long as you lower that threshold to a reasonable amount, it makes a lot of sense. Otherwise, you're just giving antigen tests to a bunch of people that probably don't need it. Yeah, uh, you don't want to You don't want to do that. You want to get the best of both worlds. You want right. to ensure you have a positive test, and then you want to stop the spread as soon as possible using those antigen tests. Yeah. So places I think you, that could work would be, you know, um, would be nursing homes, would be correctional facilities. And in fact, if you do those two, that's half of our, of all COVID deaths right there, right. Uh, nursing homes and correctional facilities. If we do that, then we could hopefully, um, put a really sizable dent in our death rate. I have no idea about cases. I honestly don't care about cases. Cases are rising right. so much that it doesn't make any correlation to right. hospitalizations and deaths anymore. It maybe it used to at a certain point, but now it's growing so widely. The I, I can't make it has no it has little predictive power. Well, so I'd rather go ahead. I know I'd rather focus on hospitalizations and deaths. Oh, absolutely, because that's cases. more like reality. Go ahead. Yes. Well, and you can count so that. so one of my jobs today, one of the texts was around someone who called this morning and said, I am, I was dying. I am positive for COVID. So he left work and went home because they had hung out this weekend together. Called around, called back and said, the earliest I can even get in to get a test because our hospitals are already booked up is Wednesday. I can't, I, he couldn't even get a test till Wednesday. So this is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So then he has to wait. So he's going to miss an entire week of work if that's how the policy is. And he was like, do I have to miss the whole week? And well, like, when was he positive? Well, he found out he's positive today. Well, when did he get his test taken? Like, what, I don't understand all this, but the, the, you know, like, you can't even go in and get a test right now unless you have the symptoms and then evidently it's an appointment. Even the drive-through thing is an appointment now. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but this young man, doesn't have enough money to take a whole week off and not get paid because he was around somebody and he has no symptoms. He's like, yeah. well, I don't feel bad. I was like, you work outside, just go to work. If you get sick, get, I, I didn't, I don't understand. Yeah, it's weird. So some of this stuff is research intensive. And uh, is there anything that you wish you could analyze but haven't had time for that maybe crowdsourcing might help with? Hmm, that's a great question. I don't think that's... Um, I don't have any idea of what that would be. Um, I'm completely content, uh, uh, with my, uh, journalistic type role <laughs> when it comes to COVID, you know, finding what other people are saying that's out there, researching it for myself, um, 
and then putting a, a graphic or making some sort of presentation together so that the general public can understand. Basically I mean, contextualizing and, and re-emphasizing. That's, that's what I, I think one of mine is to, like even your stuff, you found great stuff and then I go, you know what, I can make a video out of this and emphasize it, you know, and, and analyze it. And but you're doing that with, you know, further removed uh, things. I, I think it's a great role. I just didn't know if there wasn't a you know, crowdsourcing type of a data thing that might be out there. Is there anything else that you're kind of like you're suspect or you're on the trail of like some stories where you put, you know what, I got to put a bookmark in that because I think there might be something to that. That uh, is there anything like that um, around COVID? Hmm. Uh, that has stopped for now. Okay. Um, the, the most recent one was looking into mask usage across the state. Um, right. uh, you know, I had found New York Times had said statewide 90% of Kansans wear a mask at some frequency. Docking study from the Fort Hayes State University says 90, over 90% wear a mask in a, uh, in a place that is not their home. Um, excuse me. Uh, and I think that was important to get out because, excuse me, there's like a narrative out there, of course, that, you know, we're scolding you for a reason. You're not wearing your mask. Well, the surveys say otherwise, and you don't have any other information that say that people that they don't other than other than anecdotal and what you may hear people. Funny, right. The anecdotal, uh, uh, the anecdotal uh, um, scolding every week. Right. Now yes. And, and, and one more thing I'll say, and, and it's not going to answer your question, but I think it's also really important to get out, is, you know, the other side wants to make this about masks. They want to make this about um, uh, 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 you don't like masks or you don't like saving people, right? And I think it's really important for, you know, like-minded folks like, like ourselves to, to understand that it's not about the mask in and of itself. If you want to wear a mask, you're by all means, you're welcome yes. to do so. I won't shame you to wear a mask. I won't shame you if you don't. If you feel like you know you are doing uh, you are doing a service uh, by wearing a mask, if you feel like asking me to wear a mask would help you out, you are most certainly welcome to do so. I will not shame you just for asking a question if that makes you feel comfortable. But what I have an issue of is when it's mandated. Right. Good ideas yeah. generally don't require force. Right. Right. Uh, and if it really was, you know, a good idea, you shouldn't have to mandate it. And lo and behold, many people are masking anyway without you having to tell them so. And we're still seeing these results, which kind of shows, you know, that it's really not about something you know, else going on data or, or the mask aren't as effective. Something else is going on. It doesn't make exactly exactly something else is going on. And it's more likely than not politicians want the glory of saying I did X and now it's working you know, vote for me or, or, you know, let me raise your taxes. So uh, um, I know we only have a few minutes. One thing I'd like to ask you, I'm going to ask you both and you can just kind of uh, decide which one to answer how. One is how do you keep yourself motivated knowing there's, there's news gathers out there who don't seem to specifically want to cover this stuff. How do you know, how do you, how do you keep yourself motivated? And then also then what do you think is a good best next step for we, the public uh, that, that want this to, to get better and get back to regular American freedom? Uh, I can answer the second one first because it's the easiest. Um, uh, what, you know, if, if, you, if you find my information out there important, uh, needing to be out there, then you got to use it and you have to use it to hold your elects accountable. Um, you may not be able to get your governor to make a move, but you can most certainly get uh, your, county, your county commissioner 
or your city commissioner or your state house, uh, your state house elected or your state senate elected, um, if you present them this information uh, and do it on a consistent basis and it's enough of you, then you can get the needed change. If we look at this last election, uh, State Senator Anthony Hensley, who's been uh, who's been in the Kansas State House since the first Star Wars movie, right, uh, was just beaten um, by a gentleman by the name of Rick Klaus, and he was asked why he thinks he lost, and he says uh, he thinks what did him then was the fact that too many Kansans, or that Kansans by and large, were upset that so many restrictions were placed on them to fight COVID. Great. Right. So there is your mechanism right there. If you know, if you feel this is important, share the knowledge, spread the knowledge, of course, talk amongst uh, like-minded people and then, you know, uh, hold your electeds accountable. And if they're not, you know, if they don't want to listen to anything, if this is important, then you are buying well within your means to vote that person out or, um, you know, or if they do agree, you can, of course, work with them to find a policy that you want to change. And then to get to your first question, how do you get past the media? Uh, you start to start building your own audience. That, that, that's really it. When it came out, when the mass uh, chart came out, you know, uh, and we had the story out, no one wanted to pick it up. Uh, we had to, well, not no one, but no one in Kansas wanted to pick it up. Right. Uh, we had to, you know, use our contacts to see if anybody on the national stage wanted to pick it up. And they were like, yeah, this is gold. This shouldn't have, this shouldn't have happened at all. Um, you know, I had spoken with Kim Borchers on a, a, a video just like this uh-huh. and by people watching the video and, and agreeing that it was egregious, enough people contacted the local TV stations and we got picked up there. Um, and you know, that got the whole ball rolling. So I think the, the best thing for us to do is to keep growing that message and eventually they wouldn't be able to ignore us. Thank you. Now, other non-COVID watchdog items you want to discuss very quickly? Anything going on that you want to point people to? Or, Yes. Uh, one of the things we're working on now is the budget. Um, you know, I know the, co- the governor would love to think that her recent budget troubles are tied to COVID. That is not true. It is tied <laughs> to, you know, years of fiscal mismanagement. There are other states out there that are also dealing with COVID but have budget surpluses. Why isn't Kansas one of them, you know? Um, so what we want to do is we want to create an alternative budget by the time the governor comes out with her proposed budget in January. We want to say, look, if you want to do tax cuts, if you want to do property tax reform, if you want to do all these other things and uh, create, make it structurally balanced, this is the budget that you need to pick, not the governor's budget. And our hope is that by doing that, we can get more, um, you know, we can return more resources back to the people, grow the economy and keep the government out of our hair. Well, outstanding. Now, lastly then, Michael, uh, if you could just discuss your official position, the group you work with, and how people can get in touch and or get involved or help. Sure thing. Uh, uh, So my role at the Kansas Policy Institute is called the Director for the Center uh, for Entrepreneurial Government. Basically, all I work to do is find ways for government to create better services at a better price, which usually means taxes, uh, to the people. Um, you can, of course, find me on Facebook or Twitter at KS Tax Economist. Um, and then I'm also, I'm also on Parler um, at the same handle, uh, KS Tax Economist. Okay. Well, I know we're right in an hour. Uh, Kim, did you want to uh, say yeah. anything real briefly? Or? No, I appreciate you coming on because I've real, I've, there's a few different people out there that um, I've been following the whole time. And in March when this all came out, I was like, masks, 
you know, like, why are they, why are they making masks like to, you know, like mandatory? And I had all these different questions. And I'm like, they don't work. And we did the research. And then that research disappeared off of websites. It was really weird because we went to go back and I went to look and I'm like, it's gone. So I, you know, it's, it's, you've got to have a lot of people out there that are truly just trying to, to get the real information out there that don't have anything to, to gain a political career or whatever it is. I, I'm, I am, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about seeing where we're going to go. I have tons of people that I know have COVID right now. Um, it's, they've been sick for about a week and they've all just said it was like the flu. Uh, and so I think right now in, in, you know, my circle, because I think we, we, we kept people inside too long. All we did was just prolonged it to come out now. And, and, and it didn't go away in the summer, like they said, because we still had people inside low immunity and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I appreciate, I appreciate you coming on the show and, you know, giving our, our listeners, you know, one more person as opposed to Tyson and I, <laughs> who we, you know, I, when this first came out, I told him in April, I don't want chemology to be COVID. So it has been very hard for the last <laughs> nine months to come up with topics that weren't downers and depressing and all that kind of stuff. So when we talk about COVID, we want to make sure that we're giving our listeners real information, not just our conspiracy theories. We talk about those off air. <laughs> you so, talk about them off the air. I talk about them all the time. Uh, yes, that um, is true. But anyway, yeah, I, I just want to say thank you because I've enjoyed I've enjoyed watching your uh, videos and your stuff and um, all of your research, and it's it's appreciated. I just wish that we had a way to show people what was real versus that they're bombarded with so much information that I think people just look for what's going to follow their thought. And that's what they go down the, they go down that hole. They're like, Oh, they, I, I like wearing my mask. The masks are good. And then I'm only going to listen to the person that tells me to wear a mask because this person over here doesn't believe in it. So they're not right. And I just don't, like you said, not everybody can understand what is going on. It needs to be put into, and I have to tell him all the time, can you make that for, for me to understand? Because he'll talk and then I'm like, I, I got nothing out of that. He's like, what do you mean? And then I'll say, like, nope, still nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and so then he's got to kind of bring it down a level or five. And so I, I really appreciate, I really appreciated that. And I, I wish you a lot of luck. Uh, yeah, yes. absolutely, Michael. We we appreciate everything you've done so far. I've become a, a, a big fan of yours. I'm going to try to continue that kind of symbiotic relationship of emphasizing your stuff and vice versa. So, uh, again, appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. I, you have a radio appearance tonight as well, correct? Uh, that was yesterday. That was Sunday oh. night. So, that, so that's on the way. When is that? Uh, was it, is it, and it already aired? It was live? It was actually already aired. I think I'll post it sometime tomorrow. Great. And that was at a Wichita station, was it? Yes, John Whitmer show. Great. Nice. Very conservative. Great. Uh, all right. Thank you, uh, Michael. Thank and, you very um, much. Yeah, for, I for appearing. It. You're, you're, you're my first guest on this show. So you're I appreciate his second a lot. idea for the show. We only have 90, but you're number two. So woo! All right. All right. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank so you much. Everyone.
Bye. So that was awesome. We're still recording. Let's end the show. Oh, we're recording. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, we don't just end yes, the yes. show. Yes, it was, it, it was awesome. I mean, he said he said what I expected. Uh, you know, I mean, he asked. He's obviously a very professional guy. Yeah. I did not know about his background. Like I said, you give me ideas, and you and you when. You share ideas with me. The ideas are what impressed me, not right. your background. Right. I, I didn't know Michael from Adam. No. And even after I heard about his ideas enough to know that I was impressed by them, I still didn't know that you know he taught at a university. I had no. I, yeah, I didn't know. I just, I just liked the way that he w did his stories. Very professional, and they actually made sense. Yeah. Like it was, it, it made sense. It was using real data. And so did, I didn't know that he was in economics. I had really no clue of yeah, what the background sense. was. And it, so it, it made sense that he might have something that like, um, because of his approach here, a lot of this stuff is, is you can cross train or, you know, the, 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 the skills overlap, like your accounting skills and my just general math and analytics skills and his um, analyzing due to, you know, economy is a lot about, a big broad approach to you know how things might work on a large scale to how small decisions can affect uh, the overall you know climate and, and country so it makes sense with his background uh, so yeah I mean it, as impressive as I thought he would be I don't know if I, I think we covered basically everything I meant to cover was there anything there that surprised you or um, well no because I mean we've kind of gone over most of it, it was nice to, as I was talking on two weeks ago, I mean, not two weeks ago, tomorrow's episode that by the time, you know, it'll be 58 or whatever, how you have a story and you really would want the actual person that's part of that story to be on the show. So you're not just talking about a person and you are interpreting what it is because you can lose a lot of information yeah. and a lot of stuff. And so I commend you on reaching out and setting this up because this is, this was awesome. Well, you know, the thing is for me, I've always thought that it, given enough time, I could take anybody's information and analyze it myself. Yeah. But to your point, it adds a certain amount of credibility to get closer to it. Right. And it not be just those podcast guys. Right. It's just like two people talking about yeah. another person. You've got that person. Like I, I do try to do that thing where I cite specifically say, right. Dr. Fauci in July. However, it never hurts to say, hey, the, the guy from the Kansas Policy Institute. Right. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope to have more like this. And honestly, this is, this is kind of the um, my first audition mm -hmm. of talking to good experts and, yes. and and having good conversations because you know george nori's getting up there in age and someone's going to need to need to take over coast to coast am <laughs> and that is not a young man's game i mean you can be no. that you can be that guy until you're 72 or something so right right you know, i need to maybe start building up that resume and not just talking to you even though we do a great job but also, you know, maybe bringing some but people But I'm like the it. biggest superstar in the whole flipping world. Well, that's what I said. I do a great... you know it, everyone's going to know me. And then they're, they're, the ring, the, your phone's not going to stop ringing. Yeah, there's always that. <laughs> there's always that. 
so at some point that will backfill and go, oh, oh. That, that, oh, sh oh, he 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 podcast co-hosted with her. her. Oh, well, in that case, oh, well. obviously George Nor. In fact, we should get George Nori out of here early. Early. Now that you said that. Um, but you no, know, I, I uh, thought it was. I thought it, I thought it was great. Did did you get? Did you did you learn anything different? Like. Was there something in there that you had kind of... There was definitely... He definitely said a few new things. Now, I had seen in me trying to kind of rebrief myself before this appearance. I'd, I'd saved a bunch of articles, but I hadn't gotten all the way through them. And I'd seen something along the lines of, we should be taking the approach like the NFL, but I hadn't read it yet. Right. And I figured at least part of that was, you haven't seen game just being totally shut down. You've seen some of them, but that they probably had that lower threshold level but I had not heard the threshold uh, and then antigen thing, but the antigen really is like a quick turnaround. I believe it's an antibody test, Well, and but I it's not as sensitive, but it still gives you some data. So that pairing was new to me. I did not know about the idea of, yeah, you've got the more sensitive deal for who might have it and then take these others. It's a little bit less sensitive, but if they don't have any symptoms and they're, right. and they're, and they're um, you know, negative, then just go chill out by yourself. I didn't know that they were pairing that. That makes sense because, if you're going to have a working situation going forward, which we should just really stop in this track because it's all when you when you see the French data, French data that I'm going to analyze, you're going to see the the negatives are overwhelming after about 34 cycles. Right. I mean, the the negatives. What the French data is doing is saying, uh, as I've delved into it, they say at a certain cycle threshold um, of these things that were called positive per the test, how many actually had live culture? And then they're comparing, you get, at one point, it's only at about 34. I have to relook at it, but I was looking at it um, today. Only about 34 is it, and lower, actually, I think it's even lower than that, is it that there's definitely many more positives than negatives. Right. After that, it gets crazy. The negatives overwhelm the positives. Right. So it, to add each cycle, that's why I said individually, it's okay if you have an overly sensitive one and you go, oh, you're not feeling bad. Well, it says you're positive, but why don't you just chill out, you know, be careful for the next couple of days. Tell us how you're feeling. Come back if you want. We'll give you another one. Okay. Well, now we got a negative or each time it took 36 cycles. Right. You know, that's one thing. But when you add up the, the numbers of all these false positives, you'll see, I'm going to, I'm going to do the data um, that the, the, you just shouldn't use those total numbers because those total numbers have way too much error rate in them. Hmm. Um, it's like a hundred percent. So uh, yeah, I, obviously I like, I, I like the appearance. I knew I would. He's uh, he comes across very professionally. You can tell yeah, his, um, his intellect is high and he's focused and knows that as someone with a high intellect, he also knows as, and as you heard him say, one of my lessons is what, what have I done sometimes? It's like, I know I could talk about this for 30 minutes and delve into the details, but every once in a while, remember, make a three-minute video, make a three-minute video, make a three-minute right. video, make it. And so you see, what did he say? He said, well, what I, I know that the stuff that I look into, Tom, Dick, and Harry are not going to just know. So right. part of my job has always been kind of semi-journalist. Yeah. Semi, what have I analyzed even as an economist? Right. And how do I make that more accessible and, and, and have the public be aware of it? If I think that this is the right thing to do because of information I found, this is going to be what's positive going forward. I have to let other people know I can't just keep it in my brain. Well, and so he has to be that person who translates that right. to, to 
what normal people will, will take in. I should say normal people, non-experts. Well, and, and as we were discussing last night, that's kind of what I was saying is depending on what kind of data you send out to these people, if you talk over top of their head to where they look at it, it's just it's just a nerd putting a bunch of stuff on the words on a page. Yeah. You have to know who your audience is and that's who you have to write for. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's honestly, so if you were writing for, you know, um, WebMD. Virologists. Right. Versus you were talking to a doctor. WebMD is talking to normal people who are re reading the website, WebMD. But the doctors, if you go to the clinic and you're talking about the same thing, you're going to use their terminology that I'm never going to be able to understand. So that's why when you're, when you write stuff like this and that's good, he took, he took a graph that Dr. Norman intentionally in my brain, Kimology, there's no doubt that he wanted fellow Kansans to go, well, looky there. It dropped immediately. Those, those now they got less. Dropped. And thinking that everybody is just so in their fear and so in their overwhelmed with data and social media that nobody was going to take the time. I mean, how intelligent does he think Kansans are? We're freaking intelligent. Not me, would not have done that. But if you would have saw that, even if even if it hadn't been done, and you would have saw that, you would have started tearing it apart on your own. I mean, it would have taken you longer because you would have had to have done it, but you still, you still tore it apart on your own. Even though he had done it, you did it on your own. So you can make sure that his information was correct because that's well, what and you emphasize do. in a way to do it, but. You know, it's very obvious that if you pick a certain peak date and all of a sudden the first date that you have, right. that's not yeah. how any of this works. That's yeah. not how any of it works. It's a three to, you know, even he said a, 14. Even on a roller coaster, you start out slow. Yeah, and you it, got it should drop and then immediately <laughs> level off. You're doing something funky. Level off for a while immediately. And then with more information, it was actually that, no, that was the peak, probably statistical anomaly yeah. day. And before that, it was actually on the rise the whole time. Yeah. Um, after the after the mandate, it was on the rise. Yeah. So no, it, it was great, um, and I'm I'm uh, I'm pleased too that you you allowed me to go ahead and and uh, simulcast I it. I loved it. Don't I mind. I'm it. gonna yeah. uh, probably um, go ahead and uh, and produce it up to uh, scales of truth and just kind of on my timeline. You can you yeah. can do it as the excursion on your time. I'm doing, um, I'm doing timeline. excursion. So. All right. All I right. That's all I got. Well, you guys. Oh, wait a second. Whoa, just what? so you know. I'm seeing Kim for the only full calendar day that she's a fancy world traveler is back in little old top city tomorrow. Oh, she goes again. And yep. so what? heading off till Dallas till the 18th. To the 18th. To the 18th. Eight for a days. Long time. Yeah, man. And I mean, well, this is a podcast, but I, I went ahead and did my hair and put makeup on and everything for this podcast. I might take a picture just to put in here under the podcast. I, I put on a button up shirt. You did. And, and, and I have a really cute shirt on, but I do have shorts <laughs> on. <laughs> I have my athletic yeah, shorts it's on. Totally, it's totally it's like, like the old totally, broadcast it's totally, thing. Yeah, it's, where... I, I had a t-shirt on. I'm like, I better throw a nicer shirt on only, only for him to see, because this is just, you, you guys can't see it. But... Oh, okay. You meant, gotcha, gotcha. I met you for you because I love to dress up. I've always dressed up real nice every week for the podcast. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining in for this excursion. Um, it 
it was it was it was great and uh, make sure to go to sentinelksmo.org and check check that out and um, he gave you how to get a hold of him on Parlor and what was the other one? Um, well, Parlor, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, Michael Austin MA is how you'll see him listed. Point is, he's got a, he's got initials afterwards, and that's yeah, the guy you'll that's find. That's the guy you'll find. All right. Well, so everybody, thank you so much. And as I am going to do tomorrow, keep taking all of your adventures. <laughs>